Tonight, we talk about the scariest movie Jamie Lee Curtis has ever starred in. Love Letters. Welcome to the New World Podcast, where we talk about every movie released by New World Pictures. I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is Mark. I'm Mark. And Erica. I'm Erica. And tonight, you know what? This is sometimes, I think, sort of a funny podcast. But I think tonight, we're going to take a break. sometimes. Sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Bold statement. Mm. Well, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be, I want to try to be somewhat humble here and say that we do attempt to have a comedy podcast. Humor is attempted. But uh, tonight, (laughs) we may not be able to... We may not be able to even attempt it because this is a very dramatic movie that we're going to talk about. Our first dramatic movie that we've ever talked about on the podcast. And of course, we're talking about Love Letters. Jamie Lee Curtis and James Keach in Love Letters. The New York Times says Jamie Lee Curtis is an arresting screen presence. Her direct, no-nonsense manner and style give love letters a unique sense of sexual urgency. Men in general, they're an inferior breed. It's very poetic. You don't mind if I use that, do you? (laughs) I think you're extraordinary. Newsday says fresh, believable, and comic. A roller coaster ride of graphically depicted sexual highs and dramatically portrayed emotional lows. USA Today. The love scenes have the real bite of passion. Curtis is terrific. You got a boyfriend, Anna? Yes. Is he a good lady? Oh, I was just going to say, I, I feel like Velvet Vampire was pretty dramatic. But not as dramatic as Love Letters. Yes, Love Letters. This is a movie supposed to come out in 1983. Ends up coming out in January 1984. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis. And let's go around and find out what what's this movie about, Mark? <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you, Ryan. Uh, I think this movie, like, it's a movie about a young woman who makes a series of bad choices and has an affair with a married man. Oh, well, okay. How logical. Okay. Well, I guess well, uh, I guess I don't need to weigh do in. We so want thanks to hear for from joining, America? everybody. That do we was great. Want to hear from Erica? Okay. Oh, oh you'll hear from Erica. Don't. Okay, worry. Erica. What do you think? What is this movie about? Yeah, I agree. It was all those things. It was bad choices. It's an affair. It's a family falling apart. It's um, having love in the workplace. It's titties. It's photography. It's everything. I loved it. I'm just going to just segue into things yeah. we loved and things we yeah. hated. 
I'm not. I don't segue in now. I'm too late. This is, this is too <laughs> I'm, early. I'm segueing in early. This is this. I'm is, doing a pre things we se- love and things we. Are hated. we just gonna go right into final, the favorite scenes and then call it quits after yes. this? Yes. <laughs> you I are love- leapfrogging <laughs> the actual podcast. Hey. I'm gonna jump the shark on it because that's a thing. That's a jump thing people the shark say, right? is not is not what you think it's supposed that's to be. That's completely different. <laughs> Are we jumping the shark this episode? Is that how we're gonna jump the shark? Sure, we're jumping it right now. <laughs> jumping over the shark to say, I loved it. This movie to me is actually, and I know I made kind of a joke about it in the beginning, but this is probably the creepiest horror film that Jamie Lee Curtis has been in <laughs> where she falls in love with a stalker and gets involved in some sort of Stockholm syndrome. Mm. And then she falls in love back and he's only, and then in the end, not to spoil anything, he attempts to murder her in the street. <laughs> he but, tries to bounce her head yeah, off the sidewalk. But, the fact that his family's around because twist he has a family as a killer as I a mean, murderer. to be fair though he tells her early on oh yeah yeah, got, yeah 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 like date one he's like I'm right oh yeah i got kids he's very she's gonna be like, about that. to yeah, throw her go. off the scent that he's a murderer oh and then he's not able to f- complete the murder because his wife and kids are around yeah Shit, that's a yeah. lifetime movie twist yeah. right there Ooh, i'm gonna add that to things i loved it has lifetime movie vibes <laughs> It's it's more obviously appropriately what you guys were talking about as we see Jamie Lee Curtis is working in I would say uh, an industry I did not realize was this competitive but that is a uh, a public radio talk a show host public radio station <laughs> yeah. yeah I did not realize they had such heavy recruitment yeah that because at one point Cutthroat. she has a San Francisco station come down to Los Angeles so they're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know oh. if I'm going to get into Mark Crunch and the numbers here, but uh, <laughs> they have to pay for her to fly down to just talk with her. They haven't even made her an offer. Like, obviously, they, they didn't have email at the time, but they didn't call her in advance. She just, hey, I'm just going to go they right in the write station. A, a letter. letter. Yeah. So really, the movie, though, uh, does start with love letters. And it, what is a double voiceover to start? Yeah. As we hear a voiceover talking about the letters or reading a letter she burns the letter on her yeah what's stove. that letter oh my god no it's her a hot plate, plate because her her, plate. her her house doesn't have a stove right i yeah. guess i guess when you live right there in the venice canals that's the one well, we find drawback. out later that like she's just a lady who's just ready to go all the time mm. you know she's not sitting around she's cooking ready to go meals. all right she's ready to go you know the no, house got a no. bedroom all she needs she's she can't leave the house because she's so fucking house poor. She rented a house on the canals in Venice. She works for a public radio station. You can't afford that. No one can afford that. Can, can you afford that? No. I looked up this house. Yes! Yes! Diving in! Diving! I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. It's a two-bedroom, one-bath house. It last sold, at least on Redfin, The last it last sold for $2.3 million. Now... Back in the 80s, Venice was a really bad part of town. But even then, the reason why I think she's so quick to have this affair is he's willing to just come over to her house. She doesn't have to worry about going out to dinner or a movie or anything. He just comes over. They bang around for a little while. And then he goes on his merry way. 
because she has no money because all of her money's sucked up in rent. She can't yeah. even pay for electricity or, or presumably gas if she had a gas stove. She has to use a hot plate. Yeah. 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 I mean, now you looked up the actual house. Did you find found the actual house? Well, IMDb has the address of the house, so I did look it up on Redfin. <laughs> wow. wow. This is Crunch the Numbers Supreme. Wow. Wow. Yes. I don't know how she afforded a house on the canal. In fact, wow. I think it wasn't until midway through that I was like, oh, she's the one with the, can- the house on the canal. I for- I think I for- I got confused. I thought maybe that yeah. was like his little play i don't know like a, a little studio he had also in the venice canals to sort of have his illicit affairs but anyway no, she has the- she's spending all of her rent on this house uh, incidentally you brought up the fact that she's getting recruited i also find it fascinating that in this movie we're supposed to believe that everybody all people that are somewhat well to do or pr- prominent figures in the la area all listen to a woe be gone public radio station because they all (laughs) know who she is (laughs) like if someone introduced me to someone who works at a public radio station i would be oh sure okay i guess yeah i take your word for it what's funny too is that it's like a show uh, that she does her particular show is a classical radio show so tons of breaks i would think like you know like our long breaks in between her talking you know, you would well, think like there's not a like she's immediately opening up. She's doing the show eventually uh, once she sees her mom and then she's doing the show and she runs into uh, her the man that she has the affair with. James Jim Henson. Pe- <laughs> James Peach looking. As Sorry, James Jim, Peach. Jim Hensony as he as he so could. Jim Hensony. He does. <laughs> Oh, just wanted to lay down on that rainbow connection. You know what I mean? <laughs> Coming fresh from pre-production on Dark Crystal. Uh huh. <laughs> he needs a he needs a, a break from those. So those Skeksis yeah. are really, <laughs> they're really they're really stressful. So he's really yeah. gotta, he's got to just bang some tail on the side. He's got he's got his hand full with Jamie Lee Curtis's Skeksis. <laughs> 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 oh man oh at the end of the movie they join together and it's a big bright light i don't know anyway enough dark crystal but they uh yeah um so she he's a, like a fan of her show i mean and you never really hear her show like it, it, just like a tail end of it i and feel then, like there's two other reasons he's a fan of her well yes of course beyond <laughs> her show if you know what i mean mullet yeah know, that mullet <sighs> Short haircuts are tough. What's interesting about this is I was like, <laughs> this really does mark um, where she decided to take that haircut. And she has committed to that haircut for the Ever rest since. of her life. Yeah. Like right around here is where she decided to go. I'm going, which probably at that time was like, ooh, look at that hair. Oh, that's kind of interesting. She cut her long hair. And then she has never, never gone back. Because I don't know, Ryan will know this. Uh, I'm trying to remember if Mark will know this, but once your hair is short, growing it out is hard. Because you get to that phase when you're growing your hair out where it just looks horrible and awkward. And that's a tough spot. And I feel like maybe she just always gets to that spot and she's like, this is a nightmare. I'm going back to short. (laughs) She never makes it beyond this. I grew my hair out once. I was in my... uh 
early 20s i grew my hair out and i was i called it the butt stage because you had a stage where your just hair was just not long enough to be long hair but it wasn't short anymore and it just kind of looked like butt and i think i was in that butt stage for about a year and then it got past it and finally was long enough to reach my shoulders and i was like oh this haircut sucks I don't look good like this. And then I cut it all off again. <laughs> oh my God, you're Jamie Lee. Yeah. In this situation, yeah. you're Jamie Lee. This is my story. Does that mean I'm Jim Henson? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So let's get to where he does come in and talk with her. He happens to just be in the station. Yeah, he works there though, right? He's no, the first- he's oh. just a guy. He, he just gives <laughs> them money. You actually go to his workplace. He's a benefactor? He's a far- yeah. God, this does have Lifetime movie vibes. Yeah. No wonder I love this And he's this like movie. staring at her through the glass. Well, she's hot. Well, I know, but it's creepy. Like, that's, that's who, how it starts. But who hasn't creepily lusted after someone from but a distance? So, so what we're going <laughs> to... Let he who has not lusted after someone from a distance creepily cast the first stone. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough how dare that's you treat enough. jim fair henson fair. like that that's <laughs> but that man is a treasure she uh she has lost her mother and she finds uh all oh yeah these oh yeah important detail. Her, mom, detail her mom's dead her mom dies very early in the film and then she finds <laughs> all these love letters wait 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 wait, wait. Huh? hold on her mom dies in a very touching death scene between jamie lee curtis her mom and a creeping boom mic that keeps dropping into frame during her final speech. Oh, really? I did not notice that. <laughs> oh, yeah. The boom mic keeps dropping down. I didn't oh. notice that either. Wow. I wow. did not even notice that. Well, good news, folks, listeners. Uh, Love Letters is on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah. So if you have yeah. Amazon Prime... Jeff, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> Amazon Prime, Sir Bezos. you can watch it on there like I did. Yeah, like we all did, I think. Um, I, I, I don't know. Mark might own it. No, I don't think so. I, there wow. is a Blu-ray from Kino Lorber, but I don't think we any of us purchased it. It does have an interview with James Keach, but that's all it had. So I, uh, Jim Henson? Just, yep, with Jim Henson. Oh my God, does yep. he talk about the puppets? Yeah, he talks the about puppets. the... He just talks about the Rainbow Connection for about 20 minutes. <laughs> it has nothing to do with this movie. I would love to listen to that. She, so the, the way the title comes around is that once her mom dies, her dad uh, says, go look through your mom's stuff, and she finds these love letters. Which her drunk dad. Did we talk about that her yet? Her very drunken. Her super racist drunk. Racist dad. Yeah. Racist dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Child molester dad. Child molester dad. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Oh, yeah. Come right. on. Possibly. That- Okay, when we're, we're really jumping around here, but I do have a theory about the dad. I'll wait till later oh, to say okay. it, but I have a theory. Let's, it Let's say it now. I want to hear it now. I just have a theory that because at the end of the movie, we wake up. Well, I should say we have we have this uh, voiceover, the first voiceover of the man reading the love letter. And then uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is awoken by a, a shot, a shot like a gun blast. Which comes back later in the movie as she, I guess, thinks of herself as this little girl who sees her parents arguing and she grabs the gun that her father had and then fires, aims it at her father, fires Jamie Lee Curtis again, wakes up just like she did in the beginning of the movie. Just a theory here. And this, I don't have a, I I haven't gone back to rewatch to see if it plays. 
My theory is that she killed her dad as a little girl, and he is just a ghost that haunts her. What? Yeah. Think about it. Like, she really just talks to him. I, maybe the mom says something to him. I'm not 100%. But I feel like there's just the conversation between him and her when, they, when they're in the mom's hospital room. And then the and then she just keeps going over to their parents' houses and like does dishes and has so, a fake dinner with her ghost dad. I don't know, just a theory. It's wow. just I mean, I'm this movie's pretty scary. That's all I'm saying. How did you not absolutely love this movie then? It has everything. <laughs> I, I haven't said I did I loved or hated it. I have not said how all I felt about things it. Things we love. I have I have not told you about it. But oh, okay. I I, what I wanted to talk to you about, why I'm continuing to go back through the the, the sort of uh, the, the way this movie unfolds, is that when she reads these letters, then she meets this guy. So she reads this letters about this affair that her mom had had and these lovely letters that mm-hmm. this guy wrote her mom. And then she sees this guy mm-hmm. and she starts to get interested in him, I guess. They have really only one converse, two conversations. One is, I'm a fan. Cool. She knows this is ring. See ya. Bye. Then another conversation where he kind of mentions uh, that he's like in his 40s. And she, she was like, she sees his picture on the back of a book. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's back when I was whatever. And she was like, uh, oh, 1971. He was like, how old were you then? She was like, 11. And she was like, well, you were really handsome in 1971. He said, I bet you were adorable. And I was like, gross. That is so gross. I don't remember that at all. How is that? And that is the scene where they really, I guess. But going off of They're setting the seeds of this, like. Seeds of love are are sown in many different ways. Yeah. This is where he unbuttoned her shirt a little bit before taking a few pictures of her. No, 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 no. They weren't there yet. They weren't there yet. Oh, okay. But wait, I want to follow I, your I theory did. about the ghost dad because that would also explain why she dresses like a fucking pioneer throughout yes. the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Like these long, like flowing, just yet wearing... right under the boob dresses, these like oversized sport coats, flowy shirts. Like she looks like a pioneer. For Except most of the movie. For what does ghost dad have to do with you to... dressing like a pioneer? <laughs> I got, let's unpack this for a minute. If... <laughs> My one of my parents was haunting me. Would I switch up my whole wardrobe to pioneer style? Well, that's style? what I think she's wearing. She reads the letters. She's wearing her mom's she, clothes. Her mom is dead. She's wearing her dead mom's clothes, reading mm. these letters to follow Ryan's theory, going through the things that her mom did, made dinner, did the dishes, got berated by her drunk, abusive father. Her husband in this scenario. Right. That dude... I'm having a real moment right now, and now, <laughs> and now maybe now, now my love of this movie is tripled and with now, this theory. Has it, when she wears the Hawaiian shirt? Is that like her dad's shirt? Then you think? No, maybe that was the like her mom and dad's honeymoon, and then they wore the Hawaiian shirt. Like the, it uh, all okay. ties back. Uh, it all okay. makes sense. Uh, it's all very uh, logical. Okay. Is it so? Is Amy Madigan's character her sister that died in a car accident when she was sixteen? No, and here's here. You know what my theory is on this. You know my, so definitive. No. No. Okay. <laughs> so confident. <laughs> Are we certain that Ryan didn't write love letters? Because he feel like he knows a lot about he it. He knows a ton. Jeez. Yeah. Did you do I, a look, thesis just, on this I movie? Have, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie, and I will tell you that 
Amy Madigan's role in this movie Wait made a me realize. Is this Ryan's research corner? No, 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 not yet. Is this off the dome? Yes. Damn dome. Uh, Amy Madigan I, made me realize that this uh, Love Letters got a sequel. What? Yeah, it got a sequel, Wait, a what? sideways sequel through Amy Madigan's character where Amy Madigan is not the lead, but she's a side character because she left Venice, she moved to Chicago, and she fell in love with John Candy, who was Uncle Buck. Okay. <laughs> Uncle Buck is the sequel. Uncle Buck. This is the Uncle Buck universe. universe. This is the Uncle we're Buck the, universe. We're in the Uncle Buck cinematic universe right now. We're in the right Buckiverse. Now. Yeah, we're in the Buckiverse. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> because, because Amy Madigan's playing the same character. That's what I when I saw her. I was like, is she playing the same character from Uncle Buck? Is this dome? Off the dome. We just we follow her character. She's not given the whole movie, (laughs) 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 but she's getting she gets to move. We get to see her character grow in in the Buckiverse. Of course, Uncle Buck has zero to do with this movie. Well, John Candy's not in this movie. He's living his own life in the Buckiverse right now. Just you know, child free at the moment. So. I just was going to ask you about how this affair started. Cause to me, it felt like, I don't even know why she's into this dude. Like I, mean, I couldn't tell why she was even into this guy. Do you have a good, I'm asking the only woman on the podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> sorry. First of all, I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> thank you for addressing me as a woman. <laughs> um, I just thank didn't, you for acknowledging. I just wanted you to like, speak to you. I'm sorry to make you the person to speak to this, but I just didn't get why she was even starting to see him. Or for I that mean, matter... why did I start to see you? You know, love works in mysterious well, ways. Well, that's what, what I'm saying is that they never really... <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have, I like, noticed you lustfully creepily watching <laughs> wait, me watching you from, from behind some glass. <laughs> right. I was broke, right. working at a... You know, with a terrible haircut, working right. at, you know, a comedy theater. So, yeah. I mean... Yeah. I, I, I instantly, up. I instantly told you I was married. <laughs> I'm crunching the love numbers and they're said, adding up. This is leading. This is going to lead nowhere, by the way. And I was like, first so. of all, you're not married. Second of all, <laughs> mm, I think I'll decide where it leads. I just didn't get, because there weren't a lot of scenes where they like had a charming conversation. The most charming conversation they have is the one where they talk about their age difference. And I felt like that was just creepy. So there's yeah. never really. But we, to be fair, we, and I think the end. Of you that's... and I have also had that conversation about what would be the creepiest ages that we could meet. We slash... eventually. We didn't start that way. We were like, "Hey, nice to meet you. How old are you?" <laughs> well, oh, okay. But you were born in what year? Okay, age let's, different. Let's go through this real quick. He was creepily looking behind the glass of her. <laughs> fifth grade school class and was like i'll wait i'll <laughs> wait you'll come around i'll wait now oh, that I would be time. really creepy i have plenty of time in the meantime i'm gonna get married have a couple kids then we'll get back to this right just in case who knows i don't know maybe she can't have kids get settled into a mortgage hit my midlife crisis buy a leather jacket grow my beard and hair out jim henson style and then go for the youngest hottest pair of titties i could find in the underpaid world of public radio right 
I love oh, this movie. Man. Yeah. And Bud Court eventually, who plays by the who plays like her one of her co-workers, another host, he gets the San Francisco job and comes back down like, hey man, it's amazing out there. I'm like, man, I did not realize in the 80s how this was such a great job to be on public radio. Yeah. It, All the oh, tail he comes got back. in San Francisco He's... from being on public radio. He comes back Ooh, looking yeah. like an amalgamation of every 80 stereotype. Like he's got <laughs> yes. like the double tie, his hair yeah. is dyed in like some weird way. Also, he's he's lying through his teeth. He got up there, it's a shit job, and he just wants to save face. Because the reality is the market for radio in Los Angeles, if you look at like by today's numbers, you know, the media market, the radio market in LA is about five million people. Per day or uh, on average today san francisco is only two million people like there's no way that san francisco was a better radio market than la even back then he took a shit job he dyed his hair black he cut off his sideburns <laughs> he put on two ties some shiny pants came back and was like yeah it's, a, it's the greatest job it's the people there are so cool in the san francisco public radio scene it's, it's the coolest everyone <laughs> ryan you and i did radio shows in san francisco and it fucking sucked then and it fucking sucks now <laughs> fuck you san francisco <laughs> oh! that is a double crunch that that's was a, a double, double crunch. crunch that's a double crunch so far the numbers mark oh, oh yeah we were on fm well, you were on FM. Your show was on FM up there. Mark has outcrunched himself. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, I'd be I love. Wish we had the time to bring somebody on from public radio in San Francisco just to talk about the, the so we could just public them. radio scene. <laughs> yeah. So we could just fillet well, them you know for what? doing it's that. Not job. that fucking good, you asshole. It's not that fucking good. You have a smaller market, and it fucking sucks. We know for sure. Love letters. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, listen up, assholes at KQED. You got my fucking number. Call me. <laughs> okay, well, let's dive into things we love and things we hated. Finally. Yes, yes. Uh, we tried to we tried to leap right into it. Erica, you're so excited. Oh, my God. Things you love. I loved so many things. I loved probably... God, if I have to choose a favorite, I have to say it's got to be the photography scene, which when you're watching this movie for the first time, you may not even realize it is a photography scene. There's a couple. Oh, well, the, the Polaroid. That's the Polaroid, yes. yes to be right. clear, the Polaroid scene where yeah. you just see sort of a sheet and yeah, you hear a sheet. noise. Yes. Uh, that you may or may not be able to comprehend is a Polaroid camera and you just hear, mm, yes, look down a little bit. Oh, too much. Overexposed. And then I polaroid hits the screen i mean i love it and there's a series of polaroids series of polaroids so you only zero explanation you hear their conversation you don't see them yes except for the polaroid it's so wonderfully i was laughing out loud through it and look (laughs) jamie lee curtis looks gorgeous throughout this movie whenever she's you know in these photos whatever (laughs) but that scene is fucking hilarious well, that's, you know, she had... Like, we're was, watching, we're basically just listening to a movie. I felt like I was on, suddenly on the public radio broadcast. <laughs> like, oh, what's this Oh, listen? Let me just get I kind of love that, though, because it was kind of, uh, you know, finding a cheap way to, to do a scene. Again, they didn't ever have dialogue, though, that actually enriched a relationship. That's the thing I didn't, I had a disconnect on. There was, I didn't get the relationship. 
So, uh, so that's the problem for me. That's why I was kind of asking you because they don't really have a scene where they like, I don't talk about any uh, any mutual interest or anything right, that they because they, get they into. don't have that's because it's whole all point. about boning down. They, yes, they okay. don't have a relationship. That's the. <clears throat> thing. But then why does she fall for him? I don't get why she. She's falls not for falling him. for him. She's living in her ghost mom's clothes, trying but to chase that dream. That's the thing, though. She's is, chasing what her mom had in the letters, but, but she doesn't that, have it. But is that that's my thing, though? Is it really attractive to be like number one? You you know it. You, your, our parents, none of our parents have a oh, affair God. that we know of. Ew. Right? Oh, please don't right? bring our parents into this. But like, oh, God, no. no but the, that's the thing. <laughs> What's would happening? You, Mark, would you help at me. at all hear about any relationship? You're on your own. Any relationship? <laughs> Damn it. Would you hear about any relationship your parents had and been like, man, I hope I can have one of that? Like, I mean, I know you look at maybe if your parents no, are still together, <laughs> you're looking at them as like, oh, that's a nice example. They've like had a good marriage or whatever. Or if they got divorced, thank God they got divorced, you know, and so you could see where, you know, if, it, if marriage went bad, at least they had Or if you shot your up. dad and then your mom died later, <laughs> right. and, you know, she had an affair, you think, ghost dad, hmm, I might want to relive that. Haunting it. Um, all right. Um, I'm, I'm not done. Things I loved. Continued things, loved. Yes. Continued Continu- things continue. I loved. Continued things I loved. Um, her outfits had a real love-hate relationship. This bleeds into the hate category. Real love-hate <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. um, relationship with her outfits throughout the movie. Um, I loved when she, at one point, this is early on, you know, they've been together, whatever, she comes out and she sees his, his leather jacket and, like, picks it up. Because I then remember, like, in the scene where she's with him and his friend and they're kind of like riffing and they're having dinner yeah and they Fer- have like an in- dad. they have an inside joke yeah. and she doesn't yep. get it or she's mad at him or whatever i think then if i'm remembering correctly after that they come back they do it she comes out and she like sniffs his jacket but then like feels his jacket and then goes through it and then pulls out a photograph and i'm like wow like how did you sense a photograph was in his pocket because mm-hmm. that I mean, last time I touched a photograph, it was pretty thin. She's an artist. So, She's an artist. She just feels. She so, feels through her body. Way to know there was a photograph in that thick leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah. I love this movie so much. <laughs> it's so great. Like, it's on Prime. Just watch it. Give it a give it a little... Give it, a t- give it a tickle with the eyes. Is that a thing people say when they're jumping the shark? I don't know. I They should. If they have, if they should start, I mean, they will probably they start, start now. Mark, what did you okay. love? The, uh, the thing I loved, I loved the scene where Jamie Lee Curtis and Amy Madigan go to play pool, uh, uh-huh. because nobody, presumably nobody on the set, no crew, none of the actors knew the knew, complicated yeah, game of pool, mm-hmm. because Amy Madigan twice makes a shot hitting the striped ball not the cue ball and at no point do they correct this or say we're playing our own rules or no one was like wait hold on amy 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 come over here the white ball is the one you have to hit don't hit the striped ball but they don't so i'm like wow nobody on the crew of love letters knew the fundamentals of pool (laughs) i just think she didn't really learn how to play pool until she moved to Chicago and she met John Candy and John Candy taught her the game of pool. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, that that's true. That's that true. I feel like Uncle Buck would be really good at. And I feel like she got a real education, but mm. she's just that floundering a, around in Venice. That is a great point. Yeah. He was a good uncle. 
Ryan, what about you? Favorite the uh, things you loved? Okay. Uh, so he, uh, so <sighs> James Keach asked her out for on a date for the very first time. He basically says, Hey, do you want to go get a drink? Uh, he's like, we can go somewhere close. And she's like, okay. And then next thing you know, they're in their, his car driving around, which I was like, that's as fucking LA as it gets. Let's go somewhere nearby. Let's just drive a good distance. <laughs> or not a distance, but either way, they're going pretty fast. Let's drive two buildings let's down. Let's go nearby, nearby, but let's drive there. Yeah. So I, I love that. I thought that was mm-hmm. great. Um, I, I had to love Bud Court's Padres hat. What an amazing Padre hat he had in <laughs> the very beginning. That was amazing. Yeah. To to wear that in LA Public Radio, I mean, you know, he's really, he's really, I have to assume he's from San Diego to be wearing that in LA. And he goes up to San Francisco. So he's really all up and down the California coast. Um, the thing I love probably the most about this movie was the fact that we did not hear the James Horner score from that we heard in the past two podcasts from both Screwballs and Space Raiders. <laughs> I'm talking about the theme from Battle Beyond the Stars, which we did not actually hear in this movie. We should have dubbed Battle Beyond the Stars over their sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> no, <clears throat> instead which we got... perfectly into things I hated. <laughs> instead, we got this horrible sound uh, score. Hollywood, I if this is the score you're looking for, call me. I can make this score with my eyes closed. I'm not the best musician, but I can do this. Mark. I'm here for you. You want a minimalistic, synth-based, somewhat ambient, totally uninteresting score? I'm your guy. Give me a ring, okay? Of course, Mark, uh, we don't always mention it, but Mark, of course, wrote and performed our theme music. So that's, exactly. So, that, so if you wanted to have an example, it's right there. So do you have anything else that you loved, Mark, Erica? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, <clears throat> in the scene where she goes to the uh, payphone and looks up his address in the phone book, um, I loved that the movie uh, cut out the hour and a half it probably took her to drive over to his place. <laughs> uh, where do you think he lived? I, I'm assuming that he's in he uh, Hollywood because he has a yard. Where, oh, where he you, could be. Where the, you oh Mark? boy, I was I was thinking he was in either like West Hollywood or Beverly Hills, maybe uh, that's Westwood. I was thinking West Hollywood or Bev Hills, yeah. Because yeah. Shit, hold on, time out. Cheviot Hills, that maybe a quadruple crunch. <laughs> Is this a quad crunch? No, it's it could be. It could. We Damn, could be Mark, tipping wow. into quad crunch. Quad crunch. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to fucking write a love letter to this love letters <laughs> review podcast. Like, holy moly. And by write it, I mean say it or text it. Ah. Uh, well, this moves us right into things we hated. Things we hated. Things we hated. Man. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm workshopping a new theme song. Things, things we hated, Mark? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it really comes down to one thing, uh, and that's that he's driving around in a Porsche 924. That I mean, of all the Porsches that you could drive, that is the biggest piece of shit. They came out with that in the mid-70s as a replacement to the Porsche 914. It was a joint venture between Volkswagen and Porsche. Volkswagen didn't have the engineering to be able to build a Porsche. Porsche actually hired Volkswagen engineers to work within the Porsche factory to build the 924. They put a god-awful VW Audi engine in it, only got 110 horsepower, had no power, had no handling. It was an absolute piece of junk. And incidentally, they stopped making it in 1982. But So by the time this movie was made, it, that thing was already a year old. It should have never been bought. I hope he got it on deep discount. Yes! Wow! Bro-dome! Bro-dome! <laughs> that wow. was amazing. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, but also, it sounds like that was really symbolic of him as a person then. Being a piece that of he shit. like was he thought he was like cool and flashy on the outside, but really he was a piece of shit on the inside. Yeah, All everyone right? that drove when he drove by, he's like, "Look at my Porsche," and everyone's like, "Ugh, that one, ugh, bad call." That actually is a good point because I didn't know, I didn't really notice that about the car. I don't know enough about Porsches to really have gotten that, but that really would give be a good indicator of how lame that dude is. He's in a leather jacket and he's and he's and he's driving around in a Porsche that's going that's already being discon, discontinued at that point. So right, and, and everyone's really like, Jim, why, I thought Jim Henson was, I thought Jim Henson was more successful. Why right, are you driving right. in that yeah. car? Jim Henson yeah. is dope, but this guy was a douche. Yeah. That's what I've learned. That's my takeaway. He's a fucking cheap ass Jim Henson ripoff. He is the fucking Kirkland brand paper towel of humans. <laughs> that is exactly what I hated about this movie. I did not like his character. I just oh! did not think he was interesting. There was nothing about him that I thought was interesting. Other than maybe he's older than her and she just sees like a his weird blowout. I don't though. know. Oh god, that blowout! I just, I just <laughs> did not, I just didn't buy it. I just don't, I just did not think. I don't think James Keach is a bad actor. I just don't think he that was an interesting character. There's just, she even has a line where she says, "She says I don't really know anything about you," and I'm like, "Neither do we. We don't know anything <laughs> about him other than he's married, and he has two kids, and he takes photographs. I know nothing else other than he likes to creep on public radio hosts." Yeah. Like, I don't know do anything think, about this dude. Would you have liked his character better if it was his brother playing the role? Probably. Who's Probably. Stacy Keach. Yeah. Well, he actually, Jamie Lee had already uh, had a romantic entanglement in a movie with Stacy Keach prior to this. Stacy Keach is a guy? Yeah. That's his oh. older brother. James <laughs> Keach is. Uh, but his older name's Stacy. Yes. Named after their father, Stacy Keach Sr. You <laughs> so you were a man whose parents named you Stacy, and you continued that? Yeah. Jesus. Yes. Uh, I should have named our son Erica. <laughs> Been like, from you come from a long line of Ericas. It could be a boy's name. Here's another thing uh, I didn't like. Uh, in the scene with Ferris's dad at the restaurant. Who? The guy who plays like uh, Jim Henson's buddy. <laughs> We're, we're talking the guy that had just come from Amsterdam that's about to go out to Munich on an outbound yes. flight that night. Oh, okay. Yes. He says that uh, they were like, how's Amsterdam? He said, oh, it's the winter. It's great because it doesn't smell. And I'm like, no, it always smells. no, 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 sir. <laughs> no, 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 no. Take it from two people who did live in Amsterdam for a year. 
It smells all of the time. Yep. It always has a smell and it's, it's always smell. there. So no, I take umbrage with that, Ferris's dad. <laughs> take that, Amsterdam. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else on things we hate? Little hated? land kissed by the sea. If you live in Amsterdam, San Francisco, work in public radio, <laughs> are into photography, this is not your podcast. Sorry, sorry. Just and take, you love Jim Henson. This is not your take a breather voice. from this one. Just <laughs> oh, and your name is Stacy, and you're a boy. <laughs> oh God! But you have gotten in so deep at this point. If you're any one of the things, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You got to do. We're deep. sorry. Also, thank you for your patronage. The guy that is named Stacy, who's li- has listened in this long, and then was like, "Oh, fuck you." <laughs> The woman He's like, oh. Stacy Keach himself is like, you sons of bitches. You assholes. Oh. All right. I think it's time we jump into some research. What do you guys say? We didn't get to do our favorite scene. We'll do that after. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah. shit. Okay, Ryan's research. My God. Yeah, let's get into the Ryan's re- research corner. <laughs> that was a bitter theme very <laughs> very bitter um so uh this movie uh, we picked this movie because we are finishing out this triptych of movies from the millennium films era of roger corman's production history this was basically around the time that uh he had sold uh new world pictures to uh harry larry and larry but this was actually the last movie he had greenlit it was originally called my love letters trimmed down to love letters thank god that would have um how would people remember that and easily we have to all agree on this uh easily the best film that he released in this millennium films triptych of space raiders screwballs and now love letters yes um now it we what's interesting to me about this movie is that it actually it's finding not only amy jones the director and writer uh amy holden jones who we know from slumber party massacre that was her debut so in a previous episode but both jamie lee curtis and and amy holden jones are really looking to sort of alter their career um for one amy holden jones directed slumber party massacre but it didn't really uh she didn't direct anything else didn't really jumpstart her career so roger corman had actually talked to her during the sound mixing for slumber party and asked her she wanted to uh direct like an art house uh film now she had written love letters before when she was on opposite coast from her husband who is a cinematographer michael chapman who was uh for he was the cinematographer for uh martin scorsese in the early years and they had actually met working together on the movie uh taxi driver and she then uh, also saw was influenced by two films truffaut's the woman next door and alan parker's shoot the moon <clears throat> which are both movies about people having affairs but she wanted to write a movie about the woman in the affair normally the an affair movie has to do with the husband or the wife but not the woman who's involved in the affair so she wanted to write a movie from her point of view um, that unsung hero that <laughs> yes <laughs> and so i and because i had such a hard time figuring thinking about why would she want to emulate a relationship her mom had that just seems like an odd person to be like, I want to have a love just like my mom did. Um, she says that uh, 
Uh, Amy Holden Jones actually said in an interview with Fast Cheap Movie uh, in uh, Thoughts, she she wrote that um, if you were cr- uh, confronted with an understanding of a time period in your parents' life, which you never really understand, none of us have a real idea of what our parents were like in their 20s. How would that affect your life? And I thought it would be interesting if that then thrust her into an affair with a married man trying to replicate what she, what she saw her mother had. Um, I'm not sure that that, if I still buy that, I just still think it's weird to be like, I want to have a relationship like my mom did. But anyway, that's what she was going for. Now, this movie did not also lead to that big change for Amy Holden Jones. She didn't get to direct again until Made to Order. Oh! Yeah, she wrote and directed that. <laughs> Later in, in the decade, oh. I realized that yeah. sounded like, a very, like yeah. a very fake reaction, no, but I'm no, you... <laughs> genuinely very excited to hear that. <laughs> she actually wrote the script of Mystic Pizza and she got an option for. Oh, that got double O. For, yeah, she that Ooh. got an option for like $5,000. They thought that that money basically, she says, uh, they felt like by paying her that they could keep the option open forever. She was hoping to direct it. It did not get directed by her, it got directed by. Donald Petrie, who made his, he directed Equalizer on TV and a couple other TV shows. And this was his uh, feature film debut. He also directed the Dana Carvey movie Opportunity Knocks and Grumpy Old Men. But now, classics. Uh, what's that? Two classics. <laughs> and uh, eventually she has now moved on to TV and she's actually the co-creator of the current TV series, The Resident. Hmm. Um, hmm. so really to time capsule this particular, uh, Jamie Lee at this point She's in time, terrific. when she made this movie was looking to break out of her scream queen persona. The movie prior to this that she had made was actually Halloween two. Love it. And she did oh, not love, it. love that movie. What? Love it. She, love I it. Do. I love it. I saw it a million oh, times as a kid. Love it. But she actually did a movie prior to this, uh, two movies prior to this. And she was looking specifically to try to break out of that mold. She did a movie about Dorothy Stratton. It's a TV movie called Death of a Centerfold, uh, which she thought would then show her. This is about Dorothy Stratton was like a girl who went from being a playboy bunny. Star 80. It, it got overshadowed by Star 80. So that sort okay. of overshadowed that performance. So it sort of came out around that the same That was a time. dome, bro, dome, volley to one another. <laughs> I am fucking lost and I don't know where we are right now in the podcast. I just wanted everybody else to know. <laughs> and that was... <laughs> I almost spit up beer through my nose. Oh, that oh. was, in a way... Ooh. Point, counterpoint, counterpoint. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Making a resurgence. Yes. <laughs> uh, we were uh, jumping the shark left and right. Now, right after she did this Dorothy Stratton movie, she actually shot Trading Places. Ooh! But that movie had not come out yet oh. when she read this script, and she wanted to do this script. Um, just coincidentally, I just made a note that Trading Places and this movie were the first time she ever showed her boobs uh, she did not show her boobs in the many horror films that yeah. she had done prior to all this. But thank but God she whatever. showed her boobs because while the titty count is high in this movie, they are the same titties over and over again. But they are terrific. By the way, uh, Amy Holden Jones said that the the nudity in this movie was dictated by Roger Corman. As much as he wanted, what he wanted, yeah. what wait, Roger, Rog, what? 
Yeah. In fact, he even said he didn't care if there was even lovemaking. He just wanted boobs. And there's a scene where she's just like shirtless, but like at her dresser and he comes up behind her. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that was like for Roger. That was like a little for you, pal. I felt like that scene was initially shot with her shirt on. Roger was like, um... Um, Here's if we Thank could, you. if I could, um, make a suggestion, perhaps Jamie Lee could do this scene with her shirt off. <laughs> he said that before every single scene in the movie, <laughs> even scenes that she wasn't in. She's like, uh, Roger, uh, Amy here, the director. Um, she's supposed to be doing her job on the radio. Uh, anyway um so she had done uh so she had shot um training places that had not yet come out um now at during her in this period she had also been offered uh psycho 2 um mm. she was considered for that role and that would make sense because psycho 2 is directed by richard franklin who i mentioned he had directed the movie road games which road games was a movie jamie lee did earlier in that sort of stream of scream queen movies and uh so it'd be it would make sense that he would want to try to uh cast her in it however that role went to meg tilly she did not want to do it uh jamie lee curtis did not want to do the movie so it went to meg tilly god remember meg tilly you guys yeah and uh now when it came to casting this part in love letters that is the first person that they wanted to cast was Meg Tilly. No. And what happened was, is that the role only paid $25,000 and Meg Tilly's agent asked for 30,000 because the big chill had just come out Mm. and Roger Corman would not budge on that money. So Jamie Lee got the part and Jamie Lee was like, I don't care what I get paid. I just want to do the movie. I Um, can't even imagine with Meg Tilly in it. Can you imagine? No, like, I... Oh my god, you guys! <laughs> love letters. My dad was abusive. Like, that's Meg Tilly, right? Am I thinking of the same Meg Tilly? I think Google th- her. I, I might you're be think- wrong. You're thinking of the of, of I believe Meg Tilly's sister. That's who you're. No, thinking. I think it's pretty darn cl- no. I no, think Meg that's Tilly Meg Tilly has that voice. No, nope, sounds like of the that right in, uh, No, that's Bride not. Of, yep. uh, Seed of Chucky. Yep. Bride of Chucky. Bride of Chucky. She doesn't have her that voice. voice. Kind of sounds like both. Back me up on this, Mark. No, you you got it right. Yeah, I thought that Meg Tilly had joined the podcast. No, you are thinking of Jennifer Tilly, her sister. Oh, yeah, not Meg Tilly. Meg Tilly. Meg Tilly sounds like this. <laughs> oh, pardon me, Jim Henson. I would like to put your balls in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, that would have been really different. Um. <laughs> So, and then uh, uh, Amy Jones admitted- Thank God her name wasn't Stacy Tilly. That would have been super confusing. It would have been very confusing. Now, uh, actually, Holden Jones admitted that uh, if Tracing Trading Places had come out before they shot Love Letters, they probably wouldn't have been able to get Jamie Lee Curtis either for that amount of money because that became such a big success. Um, also, Jones says that Corman did, did not want to spend money on more prints, so the movie actually did not get a wide release. God, Roger's cost cutting. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> so interesting. Like where he really <laughs> saves. Yeah, I feel yeah. like he's like a guy who clips coupons, but then when he's in the checkout line and it's like you know buy ten, you know ten for five, he's like, mm, or they're thirty cents each. Uh, I'm gonna get one. 
Yep. I know that math doesn't add up, but you guys know you're what I mean. You're not the crunching the numbers person <laughs> on this podcast. I'm not here to crunch the numbers. I'm here to uh, misrepresent the Tilly family. Thank you very much. We learned a lot about the Tillys tonight. That's what's important. I think that's everybody's takeaway from this movie. Uh, I'm going to start a new segment called the Tilly Tally and decide which Tilly sister is in which movie. Two quick uh, points to end. Uh, just to quickly talk about James Keach. Uh, he had, uh, we will see him again in Cannonball. Sorry, who is James Keach? <laughs> Jim Henson. Okay. Thank you. Um, he was actually coming off of 1980's The Long Riders, which is a Western. He and Stacy Keach, his brother. Mm. Stacy's a boy. That they It's important uh, to denote because his father is also named Stacy Keach. Yes, exactly. Now you know a lot about the Keaches. <laughs> I know so. I am in deep with the Keach. <laughs> that was a Western that starred several actor brothers, including Christopher Guest and his brother. Christopher Guest, of course would meet Jamie Lee Curtis. Time out. What's his brother's name? Uh, Nicholas. Oh, God. Jesus, Dome. And Dome just doesn't know <laughs> surface level family relations slash I starring actually, actors. He <laughs> even knows the brother and sister. God damn, Dome. Well, and, J- and Jamie Lee Curtis. This is it. See, this is what you don't get. This is what love letters. People would be like, what does Erica see in the Dome? This kind of shit, you know? But he doesn't ever display that in the movie. He doesn't have any sort of passion about anything. He doesn't describe anything about himself. He doesn't talk about any facts about Ryan, himself. He doesn't talk about things he likes. Go get your leather jacket. Oh, God. And my skinny tie. <laughs> it doesn't match. It's got to be a different design than your shirt. Um, Christopher Guest, she would meet uh, and start dating Christopher Guest later that year after Love Letters was uh, released. And then they would marry that same year. Same year that Are Love Letters came out at the end. Yeah, and they're still married today. Yeah. Love so it. at the end of 1984 in December, they got married. Love it. Lastly, I thought that maybe uh, Chopin's Prelude number 15 <laughs> yes. would have any significance because it's so constantly, she's airplane it and then he yeah. buys her the piano. I thought, oh, maybe that has some significance. It turns out that uh, he wrote it during a stay in a monastery after dreaming that he had drowned in a lake. So I don't know. Does that? Does that? Yes, because that supports your theory of ghost dad. Can, of if ghost, it's ghost dad. dad. I mean, if I yes, don't, I don't know. <laughs> We're quarantined together, so we can high five. Uh, <laughs> hey guys, oh. oh, high five yourself. Uh, the sound uh, of one hand clapping. <laughs> Um, so let's get into favorite Go high scenes. high five yourself. <laughs> Everybody, right now, high five yourself. Um, let's get into favorite scenes. Mark? <laughs> well, my favorite scene absolutely is the, uh, presumably a fundraiser at the public radio station where this ambient dude is playing oh, just sort of mine too. Yes. mine too side note why doesn't she go for that dude randy is Holy. it his name randy why doesn't she go for randy okay so this this is why i gave this clip to mark because in the trailer that we found for this there is a a scene that i don't believe is in the movie <gasps> Which is like in an alleyway or something where like right. he starts to talk to Jim Henson and Jim Henson punches him. What? And knocks him down to the ground and he says, Don't tell me what you All she did was talk about you if it makes any difference. Yeah, I don't remember that scene at all. 
Me neither. Me So either. apparently there was another because scene with that guy. Because that was my whole beef. I kept saying to Ryan, I was like, why doesn't she go with Randy? He's they super had more into her. chemistry yes. and more like like a relationship to me than she. I feel like she has with Jane Keach the entire movie. Sorry, Jim Henson. Thank you. I'm with you, though. That tiny desk t- uh, concert of just yes. wires and loops. Yes. <laughs> wires and loops. I, I mean, he's playing to what is probably the biggest audience he'll ever play to. And I, we've been to a lot of shows. Yes. I'm I've been back. to a lot of shows. All of us have been to a lot of shows at no point, never ever once in all the years of going to concerts, have I seen some dude in the back just doing karate? Never. <laughs> now, correction. They were doing Tai Chi. Jesus fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make you feel better? <laughs> now, Mark, what was he playing? Never in all the times have I gone to any show have I seen a dude in the back doing Tai Chi. Maybe you should start going. <laughs> Until now. When when we can finally go back to seeing concerts, maybe we should start doing Tai Chi during them. <laughs> and we will be those people. <laughs> what was he uh, playing, I- by the way? I have no idea. I, I honestly, I watched this scene several times and I couldn't put it together. I was like, the what the fuck kind of you know horrible tangerine dream knockoff is this? It's really, it it, it did not sound that great. But it was my favorite scene. I love that little tiny desk concert. What, what was, was your favorite scene? Is it all yours? Yeah. Yeah. Jim Henson has to pay two bucks to get into it. And yeah. It like oh yeah. Bucks. Yeah. Wow. He came in just to kind of perv on. So, the, so Randy or whatever his name is made twelve dollars that night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did it for nothing. It was for the station. The station made about twenty bucks. Yeah, maybe the station made twelve dollars, and he had twelve hundred dollars in hospital fees after getting punched in the face by Jim Henson. <laughs> he actually oh. lost money that night. Well, so yeah, that's, that's all our favorite scene. scene. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's have, we, have we ever been united on a favorite scene like that? I don't feel like never. we ever have. Never. <laughs> yeah, I was like... Crunch. Yeah. That was a crunch. <laughs> that counts. That was a crunch. That counts as a crunch. <laughs> well, I think that's it for uh, for Love Letters, everybody. Watch it. Love Letters. <laughs> Please rate and review our podcast. Uh, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you can find uh, your podcast, but mainly those three. And uh, find us on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Facebook. Go find us. Like us. Uh, Tell your friends about us. And we will see you next time on the New World Podcast.